0: Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host Bruce from Printavo. We've got a very special guest today, and of course, thanks as always for listening every week. Uh, We're always trying to pull the most interesting shop owners, like we've got today, Nikki and Kyle out of Machine Gun Graphics. Um, I got a lot of questions for you guys, Uh, so I don't know if you want to start with the customer side or the equipment side. But Machine Gun Graphics is out of Winston Salem, North Carolina. If you could. You know, how did you guys connect? How did you guys start machine gun graphics? What's the history there? Point <laughs> are pointing to uh, Well,
1: I actually, well, yeah, I, I mean, I started printing uh, uh, 24 years ago. Wow. Um, I started printing when I was either 14 or 15. I, I don't exactly remember when. Um, so started a long time ago, originally from the Tampa, Florida area. Uh, so I was in a band, you know, we needed some merchandise. So I figured out how to print shirts from there.
2: Um, i so.
1: about the hamburger, griddle. <laughs> what was this? the
0: hamburger griddle.
1: So that, you know, back before I knew really anything about what I was doing, um, I used to cure my t-shirts with, you know, those flat top griddles that you like plug in yeah. and whatnot. So I would flip it upside down where the handles were, you know, on the my, my my table or whatever and I would just slide the shirt underneath it. Little did I know that I essentially just created a flash dryer. So Wow. Um but yeah th- yeah, I mean I didn't I didn't know what anything was. I used to build my own frames.
0: Um, you built your own I'd frames. I buy all of my stuff and then what like nailed yeah I down used the to screen? get like
1: well <laughs> no I had like uh two by twos and they were like grooved so I would use the rope to tighten to Attention to my mesh when I was doing it. Oh, okay. Um, like a yeah, screen door? Uh, essentially, yeah. <laughs> so if you need any screens, if you need your screen doors re-screened, just give me a call. I'm really cool. good Do you still it. have those? Uh, or hang it <laughs> up somewhere? I have, um, I actually have two, uh, two of my original uh, screens that I did. They're probably about 22 years old. Mm. Uh, they still have like emulsion and stuff on them. That's cool. Um, but, but yeah, started, out doing that Um, started working at a shop uh, worked there for about a year and a half Uh, then my band went on tour and I didn't get to keep my job because my boss was like you're going to be gone for a month so I have to hire people so
0: (laughs) what were you doing full-time then
1: Uh, I was literally printing for my friend's bands out of my bedroom Um, and then I worked at that shop kind of on the side or that was my full-time job Got it. But on, the, on the side I was doing stuff in my bedroom um but yeah I mean I did that for I worked there for about a year and a half uh printing manually anywhere from 36 to 15,000 t-shirts so that was uh, that was
0: fun well, hopefully one color front or are we talking
1: no it was a, it was a two color front it was for uh it's for Verizon oh, okay, okay. Uh, so we had uh, an entire, like our entire, like bay wall was just
0: filled with boxes. Got all it. Boxes Holy boxes. cow! You're a trooper. I. Uh... They had to be
1: individually folded and bagged too. So.
0: Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that's good practice for post-COVID, though. Um, oh yeah. I got that skill down. <laughs> yeah,
1: that was yeah, that was all manual too. So, but now we're it's it's been a, it's been a long road to get where we're at.
0: I, uh, it reminds me of when, when we had our four by four manual, but it was, you know, it's anything on, on the back and you finish all the fronts and you feel so accomplished, but then (laughs) it's the same stack is sitting there again. Yeah. Like, all right, let's go. Uh, So how'd you guys get connected then? Or Nikki, then how'd you join
1: it? Well, uh, I moved up. My parents lived up here, uh, in Winston. My dad was in, uh, in the Coast Guard for a few years and we jumped around from place to place and he got a job working for, um. Or a credit union so he moved around a couple times in north carolina they stayed they got stationed here in uh winston-salem so i moved up here in two, the end of 2003 um, i had some equipment delivered to their house because it was going to be cheaper for me to get it there and then take it to, to where i lived in florida which i living with my grandmother at the time um and then i i just got stuck up here because when i was unloading the dryer off the back of the semi truck it fell on my leg so Whoa. yeah, it was a it was one of the powerhouse, the workhorse powerhouse courts twenty four oh eight. So it was about an eight hundred pound dryer. Um fell out of the back of the semi-truck that we were unloading. The truck driver was helping me like slide it down, but he was like, Oh, it's too heavy. So he moved out of the way and then it literally just fell on me and pinned my leg to the ground. So I was in the hospital for a few hours. Um, Luckily, nothing broke, but I couldn't walk or do anything. So I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to live here. So I stayed oh. here with my parents. Um, I met her in 2000, the end of 2003, early 2004. We started talking, hanging out. And we've been together ever since.
0: <laughs> wow. So, All because the dryer fell on your leg. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was still doing, uh, doing my stuff out of the, like a little workshop and that moved to a big spot here. She was working full-time as store manager of the mall. She was working for Hot Topic for about 10 years. Um, and she was running that place like a well-oiled ship. Um, and we, I was getting so busy here that...
0: It was like on over. She was,
1: yeah, she was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm tired of the mall. So she came here and she uh, turned this place around quite a bit as far as the, <laughs> as far as the business side of it goes.
0: How how does it work between balancing roles like that together? So you don't step on each other's feet or try to annoy each other <laughs> the, the least amount, or does it not? I mean, like I'm always, you know,
2: it's curious about that. A seven-year it's it's been back and forth.
1: Yeah, it's it some it's been it's been great for the business. Uh, I mean, it's been good for both of us too, because I mean, we can actually like have conversations about how things would work better like she has really great ideas i have really great ideas i mean i've been doing i've been printing for you know as long as i have um and she's got a really great business uh, background when it comes to you know running stores in the mall and all things like that so she i mean she's got the business know-how that i never had um so and, i mean she's a very organized person she's you know she kind of came in and was like, you know what, let's uh, let's change some things around, let's move some stuff around. Um, I mean, we're constantly, we're constantly moving uh, our shop around to make it more efficient the best way possible.
2: I think it works really good for us because Kyle is definitely like on the artistic production side of it and I'm 100% like on the business side. Not that I don't go help out on production on certain days when it's needed or didn't do that, you know, In the beginning, I totally learned how to use the presses, um, built the embroidery department, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, like I'm more business minded than Kyle is. So we can definitely step on each other's toes sometimes. But I also think that we are removed a lot in terms of what we provide to the business. So it kind of helps in that aspect, too, when you have two totally separate roles inside of the business versus me being down on production, trying to tell them what to do.
0: When I only know this much about the actual printing process. Is is it tricky between you guys, especially when you get busy? Because I was chatting with another shop before, where it was there was always this constant struggle of sales tossing orders over, and it's like, hey, we can't do this, or this, we don't have all the info, or this or that, and being that you know that was a husband and wife couple, and so. Um, they're always arguing about that as, as far as how to balance it.
2: So I think that like when I first came into the business, it was just Kyle and myself. So this specific shop has been here for 15 years. Um, and we got this specific shop because Kyle bought an auto and he spent six years, probably six or so here by himself. And then I came in and then it was just the two of us. So when I came in, there was a definite need to just help out everywhere So Kyle taught me how to do everything inside of the shop from the production standpoint. And then I slowly started taking over the customer side of it. Um, In doing the production side of it, I pretty much learned at this point how long things take. So with our specific shop, when a customer emails us, I'm their first point of contact. So I'm the one that's like putting out, sending an invoice, planning them onto the calendar. So it's like I can actually look at our calendar and say, oh, yeah, we can meet that deadline or no, we can't actually meet that deadline. This is where we're at as of right now. We have very few jobs that don't get done on time. And I think it's just understanding that schedule. Um, There are definitely times where a job might come in where I'm kind of looking at our schedule, trying to figure out if we can push stuff. And then I'll just go ask Kyle, like, hey, this is what the job looks like. This many pieces. These are the things I can move around on the calendar. What do you think?
1: i mean we we've gotten both of us have gotten much better communication when it comes to trying to figure trying to figure out where things can go i mean you know it's it's one of those things like it, it it sometimes can be a struggle because it's like you know we both have the we both have our ideas as far as what we think can and can't be done um but i mean it's gotten you know a million times better over the last couple of years just because of you know working on communication within the business um, and it's, you know, it, it just makes our life easier to be able to have someone who is the, you know, main point of contact for getting the orders in and then I'm the one who's on the
0: production side of everything, making sure that it does get done within the time. that we Sure. Sure. Are there any other tips that you'd think about <clears throat> going back <clears throat> for other couples that are maybe they're getting into running the shop or even longer term and, you know, and, and wanting to balance our relationship. Well. <laughs> you said
2: don't. <laughs> um, find, find your strengths. Yeah. Um, I think we both have strengths inside of this business and we can both give each other ideas on those strengths because there's definitely some days where I'm like, oh my God, this is so much. What is going on? Mm-hmm. And I might ask Kyle, like, this is everything that I'm dealing with. Do you have any ideas? And he might just throw one out or vice versa. Like yeah. sometimes if they're having an issue on production and I just kind of pop in and I'm like, oh, what if you try this? What if you try that? understand that sometimes it just takes a fresh set of eyes and that someone who's maybe not doing that job that you're doing every single day might actually be able to give you a tip that could change something but i think that kind of goes everywhere in life
0: got it got it
2: definitely work on
1: communication yeah you don't if you don't talk about problems and you know the issues that you're having within your business i mean and in your personal life too i mean it's not gonna work yeah
0: got it that makes sense um you know, you guys have a, a cool website. I'm going to actually share my screen real quick. You can browse through a lot of products. You get your photos on here. What are the thoughts behind a website like this? Is, is it so you can direct them to get ideas? Or uh, do you think it helps with more SEO? You know, I notice you've got a cool art upload functionality here and testimonials and things. But w- what, what is the help or, or maybe the thought that behind when you guys created the website
2: the website is a love-hate relationship right now um Uh i love that it has it's okay no no no. it's perfect it's good it's a good topic actually um i love that it does have so much on it but i think sometimes that can be super overwhelming to a customer Mm -hmm. there was a point actually right before covid hit we had the website up and we had zero pricing exposed on it We just decided we don't want that up. We think it's tacky. Like we want customers to come to us and really talk about, you know, their ideas and the products that they're looking for. In turn, that ended up, I got tons of emails with people asking me to quote items out that they had never intended on purchasing. So I recall one specific time, I put eight hours in to eight total hours quoting a whole bunch of promotional products out for a customer. And in the back of my mind, I knew they're not really looking at these quantities. I can't quite understand why they're asking me for this, but I'm going to do it anyways. I just want to see how long it's going to take. And that was kind of like that eye opener right now. Like that was such a waste of time. Like, so maybe a month after COVID hit, Everybody got this like initial, we want to support local. And I think that happened like nationwide. And so we started getting more and more emails on the promotional product side. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it became very overwhelming to try and answer every single email. So we went and we turned that pricing on, which actually in turn gave us more sales because people could go to it. And see what they were looking at and know right then and there if that was something that was in their budget. Yeah.
1: I mean, it was, uh, it's just one of those things like they, they were like immediate, they saw it and they were like, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's exactly what
2: I want. So just go in and get it. So.
0: Got it. And is this Am the I, ASI site or? or uh, it's Sage? through stage.
2: Got it. It's through Sage. So my love of it is that customers can browse those products, they can kind of get their own ideas, and then we can help them pull together the final product and the final concept. And we can source it for them, and then we can also make sure that the vendors get the correct artwork and that the customer doesn't come in disappointed by a product. The downside of it is a lot of products, and it's not very easy to go in and really downplay. Um, One of our goals on there is not to always like, push the cheapest product to the customer. We want to push the more quality driven product to the customer. So that's kind of one of my goals for next year is to work on that side just a little bit more and see how we can go in and like Got it. downplay some of the lower cost items and maybe focus on just the better items.
0: That makes sense. Are you able to see how many sales you guys have driven through the process or is it a lot of reorders from current customers or what do you feel like that breakout we, is?
2: We are, it took about a year, I think, for that website to really, like, push through. And again, I think the start of COVID kind of really helped with some of that. Um, as of right now, I think we're looking at, like, a 25% sales on promotional products.
0: Got it. And, and the which, promo products, though, that's just in general. Uh, yeah. And then some sort of uh, amount are able to find you guys through the site. And the rest are people just emailing directly or current customers. Yep.
2: Yeah. I would say the majority of our customers are current customers that are emailing directly. Uh, We take on a lot of new customers throughout the last year as well, just because of shops closing down. And it's interesting because in the past, it's customers that we've tried to go after. It's people we've tried to work with, but they already had print shops. They already had people they were working with and they didn't wanna switch that process out. But now that they're working with us, they kind of wish they had done it sooner.
0: Got it. And I noticed too on your guys' social, I mean, you are really active on Instagram specifically. I don't know about other channels I could find, but, uh, what are your thoughts there? I mean, does this help? Do do people message in, is it, uh, more of just a passion or is it like a social proof type of, you know, it, it, it looks good for people that are browsing quickly to make sure you're legit.
2: (laughs) I think for sure. It's always a legit, Um, just the, just to show people that we do make these products in house. I Mm -hmm. think I've noticed that is a huge thing right now with new customers, especially to know that their products are getting made somewhere local. They're not really interested in working with those promotional products, people anymore that don't actually like involve their hands at all inside of it. Um, Instagram is really where we've gotten the most traffic at. So it's where we focus most of our efforts to. And then we just kind of flood it over to Facebook. I think that anytime you can keep yourself relevant online, it really makes a difference when people go to search in the area for stuff like that. The other thing is our customers just really like it. I think we do it more for our customers than anybody else. They I mean, like see to see it.
1: The, the, but um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's like the, the how it's made thing. Like That was always one of my <laughs> favorite shows to watch growing up. Yeah. Uh, with how it's made so I think there's a lot of people that are like that too where they want to see how their t-shirts are made we have people asking us all the time they send us an email they're like hey can you, uh, can you film our uh, stuff being printed or embroidered or whatever um, and post it they
2: can see exactly how it's made. But then in turn, they share that on their social media, which gets us more follows, which gets us more customers.
0: Got it. Like their brands, you're saying, you'll tag them as you're making yep. their stuff.
2: Because yeah. I
0: noticed, like, for example, Recess, this uh, looks like a skate and snow shop.
2: They are.
0: You post a they lot. Have- and then is that an example of that?
2: Yeah. So, but how long have we worked with Recess? I've been working
1: with Recess for about. Eight years now, um, I got them through a buddy of mine who I was printing for his clothing line, um, and they saw all the stuff that he was getting done through me. Um, this was before she before she came in, so um, and they're honestly one of our best customers. Um, they order at least six, seven, eight times a year, um, just you know seasonal stuff, and then they do small reorders here and there. Um, but yeah, I've been working with them for about seven or eight years, so they're. They do a lot of really cool
2: stuff. Um, we just kind of grown together. Yeah. We have a few companies like that where we've grown together as businesses.
0: It's an interesting balance because I, I do see some shops have, you know, want to be try to uh, protect co- customers and clientele. But the flip side for sure, like you're saying, is tagging them, letting them use that content yeah. Yeah. to help promote. And, uh, you know, they have other business owner friends think, or people that yeah. need promotional products too
2: we definitely so i do our instagram just because i need to make sure that certain products do not end up on there Uh, we do uh, we do some jobs that cannot go on instagram we do a little bit of contract work that cannot end up on there um but at the end of the day i have heard people like not want to post the jobs that they're doing and the customers that they work with because they're scared that someone else is going to like zoom in and try to scoop that customer up and I just kind of feel like if you're doing everything right as a shop and as a business for that customer, and they're your customer and they're happy, I I don't see I don't see them leaving you just because someone else is like a little bit cheaper or trying to offer them something that you think that they're not going to offer.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting thought for sure. I mean, we 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 have that thought too, but at the same time, obviously you know, we'll run a podcast every week with a lot of customers <laughs> and showcase them and repost them yeah. and everything. So it's no secret, um, who's printable and then who, you know, a competitor can uh, try to reach yeah. out to, but now granted totally different conversation. Cause it's harder to, to switch platforms per se, but still, I think you're right. Like it is that connection, right. With, with the product of the brand. Um, it's funny. I always think about when I go to a grocery store and, and I'll pick out uh, a, a coffee, for example. I mean, there's a million coffees on the shelf. I mean, there's a whole row of it. Uh, but there's definitely uh, only a few that I have. a. I like the brand or the taste or whatever it is that I care about. The price, I'm sure, as a factor. Yeah. Um, but that's interesting. So you do do you do some contract work, you said, or is this just one customer? Was this like leftover from before? Or What are your thoughts on that?
2: Um, it's, it's some people that actually print certain jobs in-house on their own, and then we just take like the bigger jobs that they don't want to say no to or that maybe they can't take on in-house or if it's like water-based printing or specialty printing, things they don't do. Um, when I say like we literally have three people and that's it, And we don't want any more than that. We kind of went in the beginning of COVID trying to like think about it, like, well, all these promotional products companies are upset right now because their printers are now five and six weeks out because that's just what happened. And we did think about it for a minute, like, do we want to take on more contract? Um, We have the capacity to do so. Is it something that we want to offer more? And we very quickly decided no, because not every single one of them is a good partner. The people that we work with, it's turnkey. So it's a true contract process. They send us the art already separated. They send us the mock ups. They send us the t shirts. All we do is physically print the product and have it ready on the date that we agree on.
0: Do you guys feel comfortable from a profitability aspect then with, with different contract customers that you pick? Because I've heard, you know, as you as you listen to different stories, it seems to be a very gray area where Uh, you know, if you get too far into having to send a press approval or um, like you said, production steps um, (laughs) or back and forth or having to count garments instead of just saying, okay, these are good. Then it time-wise turns into we're just running it to run it.
2: Yeah. I think you have to be very smart about it. Number one, you need to pick people you can truly partner with and you have Mm -hmm. to trust each other. So, That contract printer has to trust that I'm not gonna go steal their clients, Um, number one. They also have to trust that I'm gonna do the job right for them and that they're not gonna have to deliver it to their customer wrong or have a delivery date pushback because we did it wrong. Um, The other side of that is you have to know your numbers as a shop and as a shop, we know what it costs to run this shop every single hour of every single day that we're here. So because of that, it allows us to know exactly what we can run that job for. And it allows us to know if we're dipping into the red or if we're in the green for that.
0: Got it. Based um, on the time well, that you're running it. Yep. Since you're not we doing will, the pre-production or the uh, right. sales aspect.
2: Exactly. And we will never run a job just to see those presses turn. We actually just had that conversation either last night or this really? morning. Like, what about? Yeah. I I didn't even know. I think I was like on one of the Facebook screen printing. And this is something I've noticed. All these people right now are getting an automatic press and they're realizing that they have extra capacity inside of their shops because they're going from manual to automatic. And one of the first things I see them posting in the Facebook screen printing uh, groups is, oh, we got an automatic, we can take on extra capacity now. Does anyone in the area need to like do some contract printing? And I'm like, don't do that to yourself. You don't even know your cost yet. Like <laughs> you don't even know what your hourly rate is in order to do something like that. So I just think there's a lot of things you have to know. And if you can find a good, a good couple of partners, I also have like a firm rule in our shop that I don't want contract to take up more than 20% of our actual business. The and I feel sales, like it should like be, be like a
0: dollars perspective.
2: Yes. Right. I feel like it's just, it should be some icing on the cake. But for our specific shop, it shouldn't be everything we offer because ultimately, if they ever find someone cheaper, they might leave you for someone cheaper. And you don't want that to be like killer to your business because they got it.
0: So it's more of like a risk diversification. Yeah. What, um, you guys have a a beautiful new rock oval, it looks like. Uh, and it looks like, uh, is that the ego or you that the, it looks like the smaller no, one, you. the you, um, what, how did you get into the oval? Was it a space thing? Was it needing them well, in stations? What do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, um, our, our spot that we've got downstairs, um, which we moved all of our production down from our old spot. Uh, we're in the same building that we've been in for 15 years. Um, but we just took over about another 5,000 square feet about two years ago. It took us about a year, year and a half to get it up to where we needed it to be for moving screen printing downstairs. Um, So it's, it's not an odd shaped um, area, but there are support posts about every 15 feet. So we had to figure out like we were, I mean, we needed another press. Like it was, that time so we had to find something that was going to fit in that space without taking up too much space so I had been you know I had been following Rock for probably about six years Um, even like I I found them on YouTube even before Ryanette started uh, you know being the U.S. sales for them Um, before they even moved the sales into the U.S. I had found them and looking at all of the stuff from like trade shows and things like that so I saw that they were like making ovals again and I was like okay so I kept looking at them and looking at them so it, it only made sense in the space that we had to get an oval because I mean if we had a if we had a ten, twelve in the space we're in now those things are 18-19 feet in diameter yeah they're huge so we, it, the spot that our oval is in now is Thirteen is fourteen foot wall to wall, and it's fifty feet long. So the oval itself is eleven feet wide and forty feet long. So we have about a foot and a half to two feet on each side of it, all the way around. So it. it's extremely comfortable to be in there. That spot. That we've got.
0: So it, it fit really well. Did you? Yeah. And, and did you move press manufacturers to make that purchase, or, or you were? On rock before
1: well no we um are the, the press that i originally had it was a progressive falcon it was i bought it the year before workhorse picked up progressive um, i bought it at a trade show off the floor um from uh, from texas and um so you know i i've been looking at the you know the mhm iq over, they have um and it was really it was I'd always, you know, seen the rock the presses and things like that. I've seen them at trade shows. It, it honestly, it came down to a lot with service um, and, you know, how, how we were, you know, treated with, with everything we were trying to get.
0: And by the way, this is not a uh, rock commercial. Um, <laughs> if you guys had a brand new MNR <laughs> I'd be curious about it too, or you know, Anatol yeah. or anything else. Absolutely, so, yeah. I'm just curious. You know, it's not super common, but like was, right. it, it, was it was a space. Some people, you know, they, they want, you know, they've got the super long ones in need for all the stations yeah. and, you know, are doing some crazy 12 color, you know, really cool design work. But um, Right. Yeah, I wanted
2: that oval all yeah. along, and this was the excuse to get it. This yes. is really honestly, <laughs> so you that,
0: moved that, into this warehouse with the poles there
1: to yeah. force this. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not going to admit to that on camera. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's okay.
1: So, yeah, I mean, it was. It, it, it's honestly that's the press that I've always wanted. Like, you know, seeing all the different types of presses that there were, like. I was even looking at ovals whenever uh, Precision made them back in the 90s. Like I found a couple of them for like used for sale. I'm like, I could look into that. And I'm like, nah, I'm done with used equipment.
2: We also kind of met our capacity on the number of colors that we could do on the workforce too. And we had a customer that like we were taking on that was really kind of pushing a little bit more and a little bit more each time as far as color counts go. And we do, and at the time did a lot of water-based printing and we were starting to do more and more of it. And so that was the other reason for the rock purchase was just the capabilities that we could get from that press that we couldn't get from what we were already currently yeah. using.
0: Got it. Got it. With those, do you guys still do a lot of higher color count jobs for the most part? or yeah, is we, it...
2: we ran three, nine
1: colors, two, 10 colors last week. So,
0: hmm. so what's your thoughts on the, the uh, hybrid then? right
1: <laughs> we it, it's uh, it's kind of uh, i don't know it, it, it's very intriguing like it it's it's really cool i like the i like the concept of it um uh we she actually reached out to our sales rep from rock uh to get some you know questions answered about the hybrid um i mean it's it's definitely really cool like i i, I like the idea of being able to just print it under base and then you can do full color on top
2: you're done so i have some thoughts for it as far as like wanting it that i think kyle doesn't really think about and it's just because again with our business i'm the one sometimes that pushes to move into different um facets of the business we've been doing a little bit more and a little bit more on the fulfillment side um, and we just took we just took on more warehousing space inside of our shop so that gave us the capability to expand more into that and so the way i start to think about it is like again, that customer with some of the full color stuff, like we're looking into doing possibly fulfillment for them next year. And when I start thinking about housing their products Mm -hmm. and how many shirts we need to make, you know, run on press in order to make some of those like higher color counts, like worth doing the job um, and at a good price for them as well so that they can turn it the way that they need to turn it. um, I start looking at the hybrid as, well, maybe I could do like a 50 piece run because at the end of the day, I'm only setting up two screens versus 10 or mixing all the inks or thinking about it like that. So I'm looking at it from like a labor standpoint, a time standpoint, and then also getting those products back up on their fulfillment store if something were to sell out. So that's kind of where my brain is at with it. I
1: just, I just have an aversion to DPD. I'm, <laughs> I'm
2: not a huge fan of it, but
1: <laughs> the fact that, you know, it's just this thing you just roll up to your press, and, you know, push a button and you can print it. It's a, it's a great concept.
0: It cut out, sorry, at the beginning. Huge version to what? Was that digital? Uh,
1: DTG. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we always said if we got into DTG, it would be inline on the yeah, press. Yeah, that would be the way we do it. Yeah. I don't think that DTG with separate units is a way that we specifically want to grow our business. I don't think it's really the model that we're after. We're not really a onesie-twosie kind of shop. We're definitely more of a bulk production. So
0: with that with the fulfillment i mean every shop's growing into fulfillment and and really helping to verticalize with their customers uh, how do you think about that forecasting aspect right with with okay and and maybe it's just we have to try it to see especially with a new customer getting going but for for example this customer you just talked about high color count you start to take on fulfillment you brought you got the space now uh I, How do you make it worth it for your while and not a pain in the butt there, but then also be able to fulfill quickly for them and all that?
2: That customer specifically, um, they would have on-site sales as as well as potential online sales. We're trying to help them figure out how to grow their online business, Um, but they do a lot of business in person. And so the way I see it for them is we would probably do a run and we would ship part of that run to them and then house the rest of that run here for the fulfillment store. I have another customer that is local that we currently run their fulfillment store for. And that was a trial and error process because even they didn't know what their size breakdowns were gonna be. Um, So it was kind of one of those things where again, yeah, you just had to try it to see for them specifically how it was gonna go first. And then they're on Shopify. So we just log into their Shopify and fulfill from there. So now that we're about you know, maybe like six months then we can kind of go in and, and run the data and see what their main sellers are now.
0: Do they prepay for everything? And then you just charge yes. some sort of picking fee every time the order yep. goes through.
2: Okay. Yep. And then we bill them at the end of every single month for whatever was shipped out for that month. So with the other customer, because they are very heavily involved inside of their business and they do sales on a regular basis, they know what they're selling. So for an example, Last year we were running a lot of extra smalls and smalls for them, but now the trend has changed. So we're almost getting rid of extra smalls and smalls altogether for that customer. They're they're very much looking at maybe not even ordering extra smalls and smalls anymore.
0: Interesting. We what we all gained our our COVID twenty. <laughs> the COVID.
2: <after. laughs> it's that early 90s trend where everybody like wore their shirts like big and baggy and like that box fit t-shirt's coming back so and and uh, this is why it's like we we do water-based and plastisol printing um and i don't think we'll ever not do plastisol printing unless for some reason the ink shortage is real and really does go away um but we physically have customers that want it. They want their shirt to feel like they have a big, huge like sticker on the front of their shirt because to them that equates quality.
0: Yeah, like, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. What, how do you think about then expansion? I mean, you guys are running a, a significant embroidery department. Uh, you know, a lot of shops always try to balance that, bringing it in house versus sourcing it out, you know, there's team, there's people, there's equipment, all this other stuff. What was your thought process of all that?
1: We, we contracted it out for a while. Uh, we have a partner um, in uh, Burlington, Elon area. It's about 45 minutes away. Um, he, he was a referral from another friend of mine. Uh, he started doing embroidery. Uh, so I started sending him all of our embroidery stuff. But then he literally grew so fast uh, and got so big doing what he was doing. Our turnaround times were getting further and further out, so she and I had a conversation about it, and we just decided to bring it in-house. Um, we started out with a single machine, and she she took over embroidery. She's like, I want to learn it. This is, what, this is what I want to do, so I let her, you know, we basically were just like, you know what, this is what you want to do, so you have free reign of taking it and she grew it from there and grew it into the powerhouse
2: that it is now. <laughs> I think we just pulled the trigger on a six head in March. March. We were looking at it in January and just kind of sat back for a little bit. And then we realized that like, we definitely had the business to take it on. So we went from like two single heads to the six head.
0: It is it, was it a, a big profitability aspect then saying, you know, we can, instead of sending us out, we can take that in and make more, or was it a quality problem that was We happening? actually
2: no. So the person that we were working with is a wonderful human being. And I honestly look up to them. He does some, some high quality, like high end stuff. He yeah. actually helps us. It grew a friendship. So he, he helps us with embroidery and we help him with his new rock press. So Kyle has pretty yeah. much trained his printer <laughs> and he like answers the phone and helps us out with embroidery so we kind of play off of each other honestly um but no he just got busy and then we also had customers that didn't want to work with us unless we were doing it in-house too um and i think sometimes if you have the business to do it in-house you can choose like i'm going to stay late tonight and get this job done or i've got you know i've got this going on and UPS didn't bring something. So now I'm kind of behind or this job took longer than anticipated. So now I've got to figure that out somewhere else. So it's like we have that choice that if we need to do overtime or something like that, we can make it happen. Um, For us, it just made sense. If it doesn't make sense for someone's business, then I totally get it. I think you just have to sit down and decide if it makes sense for your business. I now have an employee that runs that department. um, And if she gets busy like she is right now, I'll usually step in and help her out.
0: Got it. Got it. Yeah. That's interesting. I I mean, if you were helping to consult a shop to say, Hey, it's time to bring it, or you should think about it, bring it, is it, you know, a dollar amount of sales of embroidery that you can tack to say, "Eh, maybe it's time to look at it or, or, you know, what would you say to somebody else?
2: Yeah. I mean, I would say, look, if you're bringing in enough business that it can pay for that machine, like let's Uh say you took out a loan and you had a monthly payment, and let's say you're going to hire an employee, because eventually you're not going to be the one to do it forever. Um, If you're bringing in enough cash flow every single month in that department to just start out only paying for that, in my mind, it's worth it, even if it breaks even at first, because once you have it, you're going to start pushing it more and more. And I noticed personally, when we had that single head machine, I started to talk about it more with customers because I now had control over it. I now had control over when things were getting done. And so I felt comfortable saying, yes, we can take that on or no, it's not really what's in our wheelhouse right now. Like, a good example is um, we were having some issues with the single head machines that we had and we weren't really able to do certain um, types of jobs. So a full back embroidery is a job that I would not have taken on prior to having the machine that we have right now. Now that we have that machine, if someone comes to me with that type of job, I'm like, let's do it. Um, but I just think that's the way you have to look at it. And and it is one of those things, like when we took on the Melcos, they kind of paid for themselves at first um, and that was it. And then all of a sudden the profits started rolling in because we started getting a little bit more business and a little bit more business and a little bit more business off of it.
0: Garment shortages, obviously everybody's having them too. Uh, how how do you work with your customers on this? Right. Because obviously you got to get them to move quick stuff that's on hold. You know, you, you place the card order the next day may not be there. Um, customers don't fully understand it. I mean, I think they see it on TV and stuff, (laughs) but when it affects you, it's a little bit different.
2: I have, I'm the one that deals with those. Um, I've just tried to be as honest as I can be with people um, and as transparent. And thankfully, like a lot of our customers are willing to move into something else if need be. Usually like if I'm going to send a customer a final invoice, whenever we send out a final invoice, it has your final mock-ups, all the specs, your sizes, your final pricing, and then you approve and pay from there. And that's when your order will actually go to production. So nothing in this shop moves forward until that invoice is approved and paid for. hundred um, percent
0: or down payment? A
2: hundred percent. A hundred percent. When I go to send a final invoice out, I do a double check on garments. So I try really hard to do one last double check before I send that out, just to make sure that that stuff is available so that hopefully I can catch an issue before the customer approves and pays for it and we can deal with them then. It is three times more work, but I haven't had the problems with sourcing garments like a a lot of other shops have because of that. Another thing that I started doing more recently with some of our customers that are ordering like larger quantities, they usually come to us around this time of the year and they may not actually have the artwork squared away until like December or January if it's certain events, but they're usually quoting it out now because we have space to house product. I'm basically invoicing them for whatever blanks and sizes that they want. We're ordering their garments now. And then when the artwork is coming in, we're then re-invoicing them with mock-ups for whatever that print cost is. Got it. That's been a more recent change for our shop. We've got our warehouse downstairs. It's got about three or four different customers, like multiple, multiple boxes
1: of hoodies, you know, stacks t-shirts yeah. and things like that that are just down there waiting for them to get everything ready on their end. We're ready to roll whenever they are. So,
2: Yeah, it's a way for us to ensure that they can get what they're looking for if it's in stock at that moment.
0: Got it. What does uh, what is the, the remainder of this year look for look like for you guys? Right, At, um, I'm sure there's what hiring, different growth. There's holiday stuff coming up. Uh, any shop improvements, things like that. Like, what are you guys thinking about?
1: Well, we've uh, we've actually got an auto reclaim uh, that'll be in hopefully the end of November. <laughs> so that's gonna you know Ooh, that's gonna which re- one you know. Uh, We got the Inpro, the uh, Tiger Clean from Inpro. Um, We ended up going with them because I've got, uh, I know one of the reps from there, he came down, we talked and they like got the chemicals exactly for what our emulsions and things like that were taken care of. And the fact that, you know, they're, you know, sold by a a chemical company is probably one of the big reasons for uh, uh, deciding to go with them. But. Yeah, that'll be in, and that'll alleviate the most hated job in the shop. So we try, we, we try and switch off.
0: That.
1: Yeah, we we've got uh we've got two other guys. They run uh, uh, the press. We've got two press operators, um, and they we all kind of like take turns every week. Somebody does it. One of the guys he literally reclaimed four times two weeks ago. Literally, we ran out of screens, and he's just like, "I'll do it." I'm like,
2: "Okay, have fun." So yeah, our goal's always been to automate the yeah. first. The first change we made inside of the shop was when we had a film printer die, and we got um, a DTS, and that thing like doubled our production on one really press to the point. What, yeah, wait,
0: which one? Which one? The wax or ink?
2: We got
1: the, yeah, we got the Exile Spider 2. Um, okay. We uh, we got that because um, we. I mean. We had, I had an Epson 7800 Pro for 11 years. Um, And that thing ran, you know, like a workhorse for as long as it possibly could. Then I just started having print head issues and it eventually just died. Um, And we had a wide format printer that I was outputting film with for about six months before we actually pulled the trigger on going uh, CTS. So as soon as we got that in, uh, Mondays were typically our screen prep days. Like it would be the day the day that we've literally made every screen, mixed every ink color we needed for the entire week. And um, so we got the spider in the first day we ran it. Instead of it taking eight hours to run every screen, it took us two hours. Um, wow. So we were, yeah, we were running double shift. We were running two shifts on our auto uh, on certain days just because we didn't always need to so we'd be running two shifts on an auto before we got the the cts and now that we had that we could run production on mondays if we needed to so going from an eight hour full day of lining up film and burning screens it went to two hours to make probably 60, 60
0: screens. yeah that's huge i mean you know, it's funny. I like to ask a lot of shops, well, what would you have bought earlier? And everybody always says that CTS. And it was <laughs> just like first yeah. press, then CTS, then, yeah. you know, you may yeah, not it, even need it, a second.
1: Exactly. That's, that's something that we've always talked about too. Like me and her have talked about it. We've, we've had conversations with other shops too. We've had people come in and talk about, you know, they, they've called me to talk about the, the spider. They've, um, come by to look at the oval and every single time we take them to the screen room just to you know give them a tour of the shop they're like oh we're like yeah don't buy a second auto if you don't (laughs) need the second auto buy this it's about the same price but you'll get better screens you'll get i mean no matter which one you go with i mean they're they're all great for what for what they are um but having something that's that precise and that quick, I mean, there's nothing outside of getting the, the LTS, the, the laser, um, yeah, can beat it. So.
2: Yeah. But I think you'll get that computer to screen, and your press will come next, okay. you know what I mean? Like, you'll get it, you'll eventually get that second press, but yeah. sometimes I think, I think what really, like, was crazy to me one time is when I really started digging into our pricing structure, and making sure that we were priced appropriately. I think I read somewhere that like the average shop only utilizes their press like 30% of the day. And I was floored by that. I was like, why? You know, how do you how do you only use it 30% of the day? And then I realized we had built such a good routine on the one press that we had that we were literally like turning that thing 80 to 85% of the day it was being run. Like to the point where even if like we were staggering lunches, like maybe we would stay during everybody else's lunch break and keep running the press while everybody was gone. And then we would take our lunches before or after, but it was shocking to me. I was like 30%. Really?
0: (laughs) Wow. That's really cool. That's awesome to be able to see. And you know what, uh, producer Chris, drop in a link. We, we did this cool time study with, uh, buying a CTS and when it's worth it. So you guys can definitely check it out and be able to run the numbers on your shop. And I think you'll be surprised how soon it actually does make sense. So that's really helpful. Uh, Kyle and Nikki. Thank you guys. This is really, really awesome. I'm glad we got to connect. Are you guys going to any shows or, or plan to be out? I know long beach is probably we'll the next be, big one.
1: We'll be at
0: print hustlers. Oh, there we go. Yes. Heck yeah. That's awesome. That's t- uh, October 22nd. Unfortunately, there are no tickets left, um, but feel free to email in case, you know, somebody can't go. So
2: we're going, don't worry. Yeah. We're not giving our tickets up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was super yeah. excited. We we are uh, wrapping up plans. It is awesome. It's going to be, it's going to be a really great event, but thank you. Thank you guys again. It has been an awesome chat. Um, And I'm really excited to see how the rest of the year shakes out for you.
2: Me too. We'll chat later. We'll we'll do a recap at the end of the year.
0: Yes. That would be really cool. (laughs) Well, thank you guys again. Guys, this is Machine Gun Graphics. You can follow them on Instagram and be able to reach out. They're super, super nice. Thank you guys again for listening to Printable Princess Podcast. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. I'm your host, Bruce from Printable. See you guys next one.